0: Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry.
1: Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. I had the pleasure of chatting with my friend, Andrew Faulkner. He is a visionary founder behind the New Orleans Spirits Competition at Tales of the Cocktail. With a rich background in the spirits industry, Andrew's journey led him to create this distinctive competition driven by a passion for excellence and a desire to showcase the the best-in-the-world spirits. In this exclusive interview, we delve into Andrew's experiences, values, and unique aspects that set the New Orleans Spirits competition apart. Discover the inspiration, challenges, and aspirations that fuel Andrew's commitment to shaping the landscape of spirit competitions and gain insights into the driving force behind this influential figure in the craft spirit industry. So sit back, relax, grab yourself your favorite craft spirit, and enjoy this episode. Andrew, welcome to Served Up. I am so excited to have you on today's show.
2: Oh, it's it's a thrill to be invited, and especially by someone that that I admire so much as you.
1: Well, wonderful, wonderful. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your background?
2: Okay. Well, you know, um, I I came into spirits really through the side door. Of course, I I knew that I liked to drink, but it, it wasn't so much of a part of my life. And I ended up uh, coming back from from Europe at one point, and I was working primarily as a as a journalist. And I got back to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I'm a native Californian. And all the editors that I had known had moved on. And I saw an ad to uh, go to uh, work on video projects uh, for Bill Owens. And um, Bill was a a photographer that I had. um, I had really enjoyed his work when I was in high school. I didn't even know he was still alive. And I thought, Bill Owens, the Bill Owens. And I started typing an email response. And then I realized, hey, there's a phone number on here. And I called him up and he answered the phone. And I went down there the next day and um, he sent me home with what I thought with some materials that I thought were, you know, sort of a tryout. And it was actually my first assignment. But then the more I went, more I worked for him, the more I ended up working on something else, which was the American Distilling Institute, uh, uh, a trade group that, that functions somewhat like a trade organization. They, uh, you know, so it was less and less about photography and more and more about spirits. And through that, um, I became familiar with the first generation of, of craft distillers and uh, I hosted workshops that then the attendees there from became some of the brands that that we all know out there
1: really is a unique way, a unique entry point, let's say to the industry. And I know that you absolutely love the industry. So I want to go even just a little bit deeper, you know, so you started off, you know, as a journalist, what were some of those first experiences when we talk about craft You know, let's talk specifically and what kind of dazzled you about that category?
2: Well, you know, I think what it really was, was the people, because, you know, particularly in the early stages of craft, here were some people, they, they, they liked to drink. Therefore, they were generally fun people and they had the wherewithal to start a business. And so they were together people. So they, it was a genuinely unique group of people. Um, to a certain degree, I, I kind of sleepwalked through, um, a lot of the early conferences where I'm meeting all these tremendous people, um, either craft people or some of the, we had some of our, um, early conferences out at, um, Huber's Starlight Distillery in Southern Indiana. And, um, you know, there would be master distillers from, you know, people like Jerry Dalton and, and I, you know, Oh, hi, you know, nice to meet you. Didn't know who he was, or I'd be rubbing elbows with, with Drew Kolsveen or Guy Rayhorst, or, um, just all these people who became the Ralph Arenzo, who, who became the, the, the face of the craft movement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. With that said, you know, what, Really sparked your passion for spirit competitions
2: well, you know that's kind of ironic, and that i I was almost led kicking and screaming into it again, you know just I'm the accidental tourist in a way um there was i was at the time uh the photographer the the- pho- photography editor, but I was pretty much along with Bill the sole contributors to the magazine. Um, and, um, we were, um, Penn Jensen started the judging program, because for, you know, he thought that through the experience of the Brewers Guild, that there would need to be a comprehensive spirits judging program. And, uh, it was always the day before the annual conference started. Well, the day before the annual conference started was also when the bus tour was and everybody was going to Wild Turkey and Maker's Mark and going out to all these um, legacy Kentucky distilleries. And they said, no, Drew, you can't go on the bus tour. You've got to stay and photograph the judging. And I was like, oh, do I have to? And it came to be, let's see, three years later. So the fourth judging, I was uh, Bill kept saying um, and and we're having a judging. And we're having a judging. And I didn't see anybody organizing the judging. And I, I said, okay, um, Bill, who's going to run this judging? And he kept saying, and we're having a judging. And I'm like, Bill, nobody's organizing the judging. Who's going to run this thing? And then he finally turned around and he said, you are. <laughs> and...
1: and you said, oops. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I said, okay, how am I going to do this to the best of my ability? And at that point, Nancy Fraley was just newly arrived as, as one of our volunteers. Um, she had been with Germain Robon. and um, I grabbed Nancy and said, "Nancy, I need your help." So um, together we we got a whole bunch of people. I was heavy on judges and short on volunteers, and we had a judging panel that included people like Dan Farber, who bears Germain Roban um uh graham Hamlet, who is a, a wonderful distillery distiller excuse me that that um gets no credit wherever he goes but uh and so many other people mike beck um uh i can't remember them all but i had way too many judges and too few volunteers and 58 um brandies were submitted that year and they decided the medals and we had to announce them in 2 days while the brandy conference was going on at ADI, Nancy Fraley and I were cloistered trying to add up the scores and determine who the winners. We, we, mer- we missed Jörg Ruppf talking about brandy and, and Hubert Germain Robin in conversation with Jörg Ruppf and Dan Farber and all of these talks that we just absolutely would have loved to see to be able to announce the next week who the best brandies were and then. From that conference on out, I said, well, I'm not going to run it that way again and started working with Ted Huber to streamline and uh, make the protocols that um, are pretty much in place at ADI now. I know that they're, uh, they were in place at ACSA when ACSA started their judging program and, and they've been kind of spread around the internet quite a bit and a lot of judging competitions now use those same protocols.
1: Can you give our listeners kind of a peek behind the scenes at a spirit competition? You know, a lot of them are maybe fans of the cocktail, fans of spirit or, you know, just very curious. So yeah. can you kind of paint that picture of what that looks like.
2: Yeah. So um, there are, um, you know, and we are um, with the New Orleans spirits competition, the, the competition I'm currently running, we are going over to a hybrid system. So, I'm going to describe two systems of judging. Um, and there are different ones. I, I understand, um, you know, from talking to a bunch of people who organize judgings, so that there are different ways to judge spirits. And, um, but the way that uh, I organized it with ADI and what we have been running with um, the New Orleans Spirits Competition is we have tables of four judges. And they are um, served a flight of spirits, blind. They receive a little information as to what it is. It will be, uh, say they're receiving bourbons, uh, six to 10 years old, um, and maybe cask finished as as a, a flight. And then those spirits in front of them will be ranked generally by proof so that the first one they try is the lowest proof and they work on up to a higher proof by the end of of the flight unless there is a surprise and you know some of these uh some of these spirits can hold a real surprise i remember one one particular year was so strong in sulfur gas that we had to like put it last in the flight and say okay everybody wait until you've evaluated all the other ones till you evaluate this one You'll see why when you take the watch glass off of the glass. And we keep watch glasses over them so that the the volatiles don't escape. We don't want the spirit to air too much and change too much from if you had just poured it into your glass. And a flight of spirits can can wait 20, 30 minutes before being poured. So then the judges, they go over each flight in the spirit and in silence, generally, evaluate it, write tasting notes, give it a score. And when they've all had the chance to evaluate this flight of spirits, then they talk about it. And maybe they point out something to another judge. Didn't, didn't you get that wet dog smell? Or like, oh, I just love the viscosity of this one. And maybe they decide to move their scores just a little bit because of something one judge pointed out to them that they hadn't noticed it. And there's an anchor judge at the table who's responsible for bringing a consensus amongst all the judges. And then when they have decided, okay, that's what the scores are for this. Looks like it's a gold medal. Then the stewards come and collect those and, um, they take the score sheets into the back room and they bring out the next blind flight of spirits. There's another way to do it. And that is remotely. And for instance, uh, the Ascot awards, Fred Minnick's awards, and, um, the Barleycorn Awards um, are the two that come off of my head immediately. A bunch of people went to remote judging during the, um, the pandemic and all the shutdowns. We are going to a hybrid system where we're going to judge remotely for a first round. And then we have a final round in New Orleans that's in person. So what happens then is the judges receive a package of sample bottles and uh, a time limit they can judge online they can judge in privacy they they're at home or their office their own familiar aromas their own familiar glassware all the time they want and they evaluate the spirits give ratings give scores and you know they'll say and it's all blind we send them a bottle that says you know sample number 1132 and then they'll write down on that and Some of the judgings will then get together via Zoom or some other remote conferencing application and talk about them. Some will just receive the results and uh, figure out who the winners are from the scores sent into them. What we've done at New Orleans for the first time last year, and we're, we're expanding this, we're quadrupling it, is we're doing a live judging in front of an audience that gets to taste along with the judges. So they can see the judges, they can, they can hear the judges comments and they can taste the spirits along with it. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing that actually evolved out of comments that uh, Audrey Saunders made one year at the judging. And she had a table there with, with Dave Wondrich, uh, Robert Hess and Francis Schott. and, they were talking about it and I overheard Audrey exclaim, oh, if only more people could hear this conversation, they would understand gin so much better. And I just a little light bulb went off and I thought, okay, now that I'm working with Tales of the Cocktail, here's the chance to have a tasting room. Four judges receive, they receive the six top scoring spirits in each class and they evaluate them in silence. Um, and they talk about them in front of the room, and they decide on a winner. Now, as much as we'd love to give people in the room a vote, they don't have a vote that counts after the judges are decided, then we can open it up to conversation, and the people in the room love to to have comments and we we pick a a favorite amongst the uh the, the attendees, um, mostly uh the same as what the judges decide and um, it's uh it's just an incredible educational tasting where people get to combine their palates against people who have legendary palates in the industry.
1: Yeah, that's really incredible. Can you just so that the listeners really understand, you have the first round, right? And then yes. the spirits that make it through to that round like is it the best of those spirits then that go into the the next round?
2: What we have is a hybrid system where we will judge a first round remotely and we will take from those results the top 6 spirits in each class of spirits the top 6 whiskies top 6 brandies top 6 rums gins and we will bring those to a final round or a championship round at tales of the cocktail which will be this kind of live judging with an audience that gets to taste along with the judges
1: That's amazing because I think that when you bring in the consumer or the cocktail enthusiast, right, the spirit enthusiast, what a unique and wonderful opportunity it is for them to really experience that because I'm going to tell you something. I just know um, from the consumer standpoint, sometimes it can be overwhelming going into that aisle at the grocery store or at the liquor store. And not really, maybe understanding what, let's say, a brandy is. You think maybe the bottle is really cool and sexy, right? But do mm-hmm. I want to spend the money on it because I've never tried it before, and I don't know what it's supposed to taste like? And so, this really gives those um, who want to be adventurous with their palates an opportunity.
2: Yeah, and it 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 really is amazing to hear some of these people talk about spirits. I. I have a job to do, so I can't sit down on the table and listen to them. Uh, But I remember uh, a good friend of both of ours, who I won't name so that I don't embarrass him, (laughs) um, was uh, happy to be on the brandy table one day. And so he's sent there with um, uh, Hubert Germain Robin, Flavien and I and probably Alain Royer, like three, like, top-notch cognac guys. And he's like, oh, great. I get to flex my muscles with brandy. And and he's writing down his tasting notes, you know, you know, caramel and this and that. And then he hears Hubert talk and it's like, well, you know, I think something went wrong in about the, the third day of fermentation, you know, I get this. and And he was just all of a sudden where he thought he was an authority realized, oh, my God, I'm totally out of my league with these guys.
1: That's so fun. (laughs) But I do think as a judge, it is always a place to learn and to further your own palette and your own capabilities, right? Your own skill set to grow. Can you talk about who your judges are, what the selection process is like, and why are they important to your competition?
2: Well, the judges, um, we look for... Of course, the best professionals. But what we would like to do is create a panel that has all the different um, disciplines of this distilled spirits industry. Because we're affiliated with Tales of the Cocktail, we now go a little bartender heavy as opposed to ADI, where I perhaps went a little distiller heavy. Um, So we will get people like Tiffany Berrier. H. Ehrman. Um, What are some of the other wonderful bartenders we've had? Bridget Albert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Top, top notch bartenders. And we'll sit four at a table or four in a panel. And it's usually two bartenders, um, one producer, um, and one journalist or other industry professional. It might be a a wholesaler or a, a retailer. And That way we take people with a different perspective on the industry, each having their input into what the dialogue is.
1: I can tell you, just as someone who's who's been one of your judges, is that I think that part of what drives a judge to take part in a spirit competition, particularly your spirit competition, is really the camaraderie. Right. Like when it goes back that we learn from one another, we respect. One another, and it's really exciting to sit down at a table with one of your peers or somebody like you just said. Like, holy crap, I'm completely out of my league. (laughs) Right? Uh Learn a lot today, and um, just to have that experience. And those experiences go well beyond the spirit competition itself. I believe that you know, lifelong friendships are formed a lot of times which is a beautiful thing. You know, when like minds come together, magic happens.
2: Yeah. Oh, that is that is one of the things I love about having an in-person judging. And particularly, particularly all those years we had ADI at the, uh, the Tiburon Lodge there was that there was a camaraderie. It was like people would come in and say, oh, this is my favorite week of the year. Judging would end for the day and they would all go out to different dinners. Hey, sometimes deals would be made, you know, and there'd be a final night celebration when everybody got got to look at the bottles and go sample through them and and you'd see everybody out there with their tasting glass in one hand and their notebook in the other hand writing down, "Oh, what was what was spirit number 327? I got to find spirit number 327 and see what that was." And and maybe the people from from the whiskey table who didn't get to sit on the rum table would go over and tap the shoulder of, of Dave Wondrich and go, Hey, Hey, what were the good rums you found? What, what did you find here? And, and, you know, they would all trade information and then that would degenerate into karaoke and games of Uno and all (laughs) all sorts of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can you paint the picture of what it looks like when you unveil the tasting room to the judges? Because it's an exciting time for the judges. Let me just tell you. So you need to paint that picture for the listeners so they understand.
2: It really is, because they've been tasting blind all week long. You know, the the this the crew in the back room, they know what those were because they've been there a previous week sorting all those spirits into classes and categories and subcategories and making sure that, that apples go out with apples and oranges go out with oranges. And then the judges, they sit there well dressed, they they taste things for 2 days, 3 days blind. They don't know what brands they're dealing with. They they have these spirits they're enamored of and and they have to wait a day or 2 days to um to to see what they are and finally all the scores are in and the curtain gets opened up and all these well-dressed usually uh, fairly um uh what's the word? Professional behaving people are like kids in a candy store and they're running in and going, "Okay, okay. Bottle 629. What was bottle 629? I, I got to find that bottle and oh w- what did you like? Oh yeah, what's this over here? And um it's just it's just the funnest evening of the year.
1: It really is a lot of fun and it's fun, you know, to grab one of your buddies and say, "Hey, you've got to taste this. Get over here. Have you tasted this yet? Oh my god, this is amazing." You. Know, yeah. Or oh, I I was right. I guess the brand, which happens once in a while, right? Like, holy crap, look at me. That's amazing. Let me get my table partners around to show them like, ah, this is so cool. Um, it is a special moment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's also something I wish we could open up and share with, with lots of people, unfortunately, you know, for, for, uh, legislative reasons. We we can't have these open up the back room to everyone, but gosh, it's fun just to walk around and go, Oh, Hey, I know these guys. I want to try their stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, if you are a spirit brand that is listening or somebody that's really affiliated with a spirit brand, how can they enter the competition?
2: Well, the, the easiest way is to go to nolaspiritscomp.com That's N-O-L-A-S-P-I-R-I-T-S-C-O-M-P dot com. And from there, there's a link to register directly. Um, And there's also lots of information about our um, submissions requirements and uh, the judges and last year's winners and the previous year's winners And um, that is the easiest way. If they they click on register now, they are taken to our registration site, which has a URL longer than can be memorized. (laughs) (laughs) And um, uh, there they'll they'll enter their own information and then they're taken inside where they can individually um, enter the information for as many spirits as they wish to. And after they've completed that, they can press the button to submit and it takes them on to the payment area. Wonderful. Which,
1: so it's very simple to do. Yes.
2: Yeah. We we tried to make it simple, but we do ask for a lot of information because in the back room, you want to make sure that you are judging apples against apples and oranges against oranges. You want your casks cask cask finished bourbons all in the same flight, right? And ideally. If you've got a bunch of bourbons that are finished in cognac casks versus a bunch that are finished in sherry casks, you want those in separate flights so that, um, judges don't get confused over what the relative cask finishes are. So we ask a lot of questions, um, in, in the submissions guidelines. There are, there's a brief list of the information that they will need to have things like their cola number because, uh, of, Cola being certificate of label approval, and uh, we need this fourteen-digit number to make sure that the spirits are legal to serve in the state of Louisiana. In case they get to the top six,
1: that is so interesting. It really is because it's not just you know make a mark here that I'm a whiskey and pay my money and go. Um, the competition itself is very thoughtful on making sure that your spirits going up against you know other like spirits, which is really important.
2: That actually is where the most work is. And, and we have a crew that arrives uh, five working days before a live judging. Now, we're doing it differently this year where we're, we're going to be sending out the packages to the judges. But we have still part of the process is going to be going through every spirit, the product information, how many years in barrel. Was it a secondary finish? Are there flavors ad- added? Is there any sweetener? And separating them out. And then the stewards literally taste every spirit before it goes to the judges to make sure that there are no surprises. We've, we've had things that were entered as liqueurs really be whiskeys that were finished in a liqueur cask. Um, we've had things entered as a flavored whiskey that really were liqueurs. And um, the, the stewards need to taste everything. And we reserve the right to recategorize things when we find an anomaly.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, on a personal level, what motivates and drives you um, in your work with the New Orleans Spirits Competition? And what do you hope to achieve through all your many contributions in the spirit industry?
2: Oh, thank you. Um, what we want to do with the New Orleans Spirits Competition is to recognize excellent brands in front of an audience that matters. And we see bartenders as the frontline soldiers in the marketing of distilled spirits. So we have picked Tales of the Cocktail and thankfully they agreed to let us run our spirits competition in cooperation with them to be able to present at the largest gathering of bartenders in the world. There's there's so much more that could be added that to that, too, because we also want to bring along craft brands. I, I have my background in craft brands. Craft distillers are so dear to me. They're my friends. I, I drive anywhere in the country and these people invite me in. And it's true. It's so good to see you and this and that and taste me on their best stuff. And, um, you know, th- these are my friends and they make me welcome in 50 states and i really want to see them succeed as brands and we have a mission also to bring craft to tales of the cocktail where it can be a little hard for a brand that's that's got a marketing budget on a shoestring to get attention amongst the 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 multitudes there so yeah.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. There's so many, you know, larger brands there, right, that have the marketing dollars. So this is really um, a special experience for those craft brands who are trying to make a name for themselves that are delicious, that deserve for the attendees to know their name.
0: Yes.
2: And we also like to help those brands along with um, development of products by producing tasting notes. From the judges, who are all experts in distilled spirits, um, handpicked by us and the Tales of the Cocktail Foundation, and they can use those if they feel they're established. They can use those on their POS materials. If they're trying to figure out, you know, what other people think about their whiskey, what they can do to improve it, well, our professionals are going to tell them the truth in the way. That their friends at the distillery and the and the the distillery groupies aren't, you know, a, a lot of people. You taste, you're in your tasting room. You uh, toss a, a beautiful Glen Karen across the counter at someone and say, "Hey, what do you think?" Well, they're going to be complimentary just to make sure that that whiskey river doesn't run dry. You know, your, your friends are going to blow smoke up your, you know, where and. These professionals with a little bit of anonymity um, can can speak their minds within limits. We we encourage them to be professional and we will edit out any nasty or mean remarks from the tasting notes, but we give tasting notes back to all the brands. And I think those are more useful for up-and-coming brands, for brands that are trying to become established, whether they they need to create marketing materials or they want to know oh maybe we should age it a little bit longer maybe we should have bought a different kind of barrel or ooh somebody really detected that we fermented it in that way
1: yeah it's really cool and i think that it um for the judges it's really wonderful to be able to give a couple of thoughts on what you're judging because you know behind every bottle is a person and sometimes that person has a family and sometimes they've invested everything into that bottle. And so we always want to make sure that we give constructive criticism. And sometimes it's like, this is amazing. Good job. Right. It's not mm-hmm. always critiquing in such a negative way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we uh, we had one of those recently. Um Matthew Arkin created, um, for some reason, he got into the spirit Aquavit and, um, he's, uh, created a, uh, an Aquavit that he sent in our, our first year and, um, Tiffany Berrier landed onto it and said, Oh my God, this is paradise in a glass and, and reached out to him and, and, and made that connection. And, um, we get that all the time, of people going crazy over brands, because let's face it, the wild creativity in the spirits industry is, is in the craft book guys. And it's not that the legacy brands are not trying. It's just that the craft guys can move quicker on their feet. They can try a crazy experiment and they don't have to spend a million dollars on material for something that may or may not work out. Um, on the other hand, they may be risking their house. A, a lot of these people did take out a second mortgage to start their sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, you know, I admire what you do. You have such a wonderful career and you're truly inspiring. And with that, I want to thank you for spending, you know, some of your time with me here on served up. I know that you are fully in competition mode right now. I'm very sure preparing for this year's competition. So thanks for taking some time out with me. And with that, on behalf of the served up family, I want to wish you just some great health and a lot of peace.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Bridget. I just want to, if I can add one more thing. I, I just do. want to tell I I remember the story of um of 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 meeting you. And, uh, I was, uh, I had been reading all sorts of literature. I, I, I used tales of the cocktails as my, my hunting grounds to find new judges at ADI. And I kept reading all these things. And I said, Bridget Albert, I need to meet Bridget Albert. And actually I had, um, what is it? I had illustrated some stories you wrote for tasting panel magazine. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, it was, um, Oh, The Dish and the Drink?
1: Yes, yes, it was. Yes. That. And it so quite yeah, some time.
2: Yeah. And that so working to create photo content for the stories you had written and then seeing your name all over all over Tales of the Cocktail. I went to Tales of the Cocktail one year um, with the mission, Find Bridget Albert. Oh my goodness. List her as a judge. And you probably thought you had a stalker. I was like, you know, I forget what the cocktail competition was there you are behind the bar with several other judges and, um, uh, t- tasting, I think it was, a um, cherry herring competition.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. And I, For, oh I came God. up
2: to you afterwards and I said, Oh, Oh, I run a spirits competition and I would really love to have you as a judge. And, and would you please like, give me your contact information? And, uh, Um, I was very happy when when I was able to write you an email and you were able to come judge spirits for us in uh, San Francisco that year. Yes. yes.
1: Wonderful. Oh, my God. So wonderful. Well, I'm so happy that we're friends and that we have connected and reconnected. Yes. um, You know, I can't wait to see what you do next. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be invited to take part in this. You, you know, I respect you greatly. And um, it's been a real fun opportunity to talk with you and uh, to have other people hear it.
1: Absolutely. Well, cheers to that. Thank
2: you very much. Take care. Have a wonderful, healthy year.
0: Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!